Super Scoreboard. The old firm through the decades. The old firm through the decades arrives in the 1970s. I'm Hugh Keevans. In this decade, Celtic won the first ever nine in a row, but lost the European final. Rangers won a European final in Barcelona, but finished third in the domestic league that same season. Now, that's what you call a high level of competition. I'm joined by Davey Hay. I'm Peter McCloy. Davey had 230 appearances for Celtic, winning five league titles, three Scottish Cups and the League Cup once. Peter had 535 appearances in goal for Rangers, winning two league titles, four league cups, two Scottish Cups and, of course, the European Cup Winners' Cup final in Barcelona in 1972. Peter, would that be, among all those 535 appearances, would that be the highlight of your career? It certainly was, Hugh. Um, it, was a, it was a great time for myself, personally, because I just came from Motherwell two years earlier. And uh, when, you, when you play in a final like that and you win it, you think, oh, there's going to be more of this, but unfortunately, it's never happened. Mm. Uh, you know, it's amazing to think that you could win a European trophy but couldn't win your own league that season. That's correct, because the fans even, I think we played on film in a league match prior to Bayern Munich with about 7,000 people at the game at Ibrox. <laughs> yeah. And then the Wednesday night with 80,000. Yeah. So the fans the fans they were voting with their feet at that time and wanted to do so well in the league. Phil, does that speak volumes for the level of competition within Scottish football at that time? I think at that particular time and... Uh, Mostly, mostly all the Scottish teams with Scottish players, and that's why when you came to an old firm match, you couldn't predict it because it was all Scottish players. Whereas nowadays, it's it's big money signings. Oh, Davey, I hate to bring it up, but Peter won a European final. You lost one in the seventies. Ah, it was a European Cup. We were in with enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, having said that, I think Peter said that that was obviously the highlight of his career in Rangers at that time. And I think with people forget, although we were nine in a row. Rangers were an exceptionally good side. Yeah. Believe me, you know we played against one. It was, as Peter says, you you could never really predict it. You get a, a Scottish Cup final. Rangers beat us a League Cup final. Young Derek Johnson scoring a goal. So I think it's testament to Celtic that they managed to win nine against an exceptionally good Rangers team. And like sort of Aberdeen and Hibs, they were good. And Hearts, they were all good sides at that time. Competition was uh, tighter than it is nowadays. I've got to say. Yeah, that's not taking away from the achievements of Celtic and that. But uh, yeah, I lost the European Cup final after beating Leeds. We were strong favourites to win, but we, I think we underestimated Feyenoord. Mm. And unfortunately, it went to extra time and they scored with a couple of minutes to go. And I firmly believe, it's not going to change it, that there'd been a replay in the, those days, not a penalty yeah. kick competition. And uh, I don't mm. think we'd have played as poorly because we played poorly that night when Feyenoord played well. I mean, I'll, I'll ask Peter about the celebrations in Barcelona and beyond, but when you are on the losing side, how devastating a blow is it, given that it was three years after the Lisbon Lions had won in, in, against Inter Milan? As Peter says, it was his greatest achievement playing the Rangers won the Cup Winners' Cup final. It was the lowest point of my footballing career, that game. You know, I think twofold, losing it was bad enough, but knowing that as a team we could have played better, that made it feel worse. You were still very young then, of course. Yeah. Was that part of the devastation? I think it was at the time, but you, once the next season started, you just carry on and try and win the next league and do well in Europe. We got to a couple of semi-finals after that, European Cup semi-finals. Yeah, one of the famous ones was the Real Madrid debacle and that. 
So, if you win or you lose, you've got to carry on. And that's going to be the case this season with Celtic and Rangers. Rangers are desperate to stop Celtic. Celtic are desperate to win 10 in a row. How long does it take a young man to get over the loss of a European Cup final? Uh, I think come the following season, you know, you you focused on what was ahead. But we went on the end of a season tour to North America. I think initially we didn't feel it going, but once we were there and we were together, kind of slowly but surely you realise you have to focus and what lay ahead the next season and soon seasons after that as well. Peter, Rangers shared one thing with Celtic in terms of European finals. Neither got an official presentation of the trophy because after the game in Barcelona, of course, mayhem. Absolute, absolute mayhem. And I think the fact that, uh, I'm not blaming Celtic fans for this, but they ran on the park when they won in Lisbon. And I think the fans just take it for natural. They were running and they were all excited, but it was the time of Franco yeah. in, in Spain and he sent his guards on and started hitting the fans with batons and they retaliated and uh, everybody was off the pitch and uh, the presentation was done in an office under the stadium in Barcelona by John Greg and Willie Waddle and the, the delegates of UEFA and uh, John came in with a trophy and had it in the dressing room like, here it is and it was that was the biggest down about it you yeah. know having to get out in the pitch in front of the fans because um, everybody had their families all there and, and that would be nice for them to have seen that um, we had a great night after it Yeah, um, We were staying in a hotel outside Barcelona We were up in the hills And all the wives and girlfriends And everybody come back And the press were all there And uh, I always remember Willie Waddle saying In his little speech um, This is the greatest night in Rangers football club history Everybody enjoy yourself Two hours later he says Get all these women in the bus and get them out of here <laughs> <laughs> So Still the managers these days ruled, ruled with an iron fist so did the party go on after the wives had departed? We, uh, we, we probably, some of the guys maybe stayed up all night and uh, then we actually, they, they came up and uh, they did the, the passports up at the hotel and they drove us straight onto the, the tarmac and into the plane and, and home. And they got a great reception when we come back and was into Presby Airport at that time and uh, it was always a big crowd of Ibrox to see us going around the, the stadium in a uh, cool yeah, yeah, we've had a few late nights abroad, Davy, once or twice. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. I think uh, both as a player and a manager, you, you almost relaxed after a game, and you never felt tired. I don't know if you're the same, Peter. After a game, never felt tired. Once you got a couple of beers down, you were less tired. Uh, sometimes, depending on the result, if it was a good result, enjoyment was better. And then, if it's a case of drowning your sorrows, it'd be a bad result. But there's always, after most European games, before the days when you flew straight back after the game, yeah. But you would part of the thing was you have a few drinks after the game. Peter talks about the the Scots who were in evidence at Celtic and Rangers, predominantly, if not exclusively, Scottish. Uh, was it a different culture altogether then? Uh, in terms of football players yeah, Both less, Celtic and Rangers Less money if I, if I, agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but, uh, I think uh, The culture was different Because uh, I mean uh, Probably well, the, Scotland's two biggest clubs No disrespect to Aberdeen And the United Were starting to do well But uh, And the, rival, the rivalry Between the clubs Was was great I mean David would have Kicked lumps at you On a Saturday But after the game We could be pals I mean and I don't see the same respect for the players now as, oh. as we had then. 
You mentioned uh, the young Derek Johnston. I mean, in that cup final in nineteen seventy, Celtic beating or uh, Celtic losing rather to Rangers one 0 Derek scored the goal. Sixteen years old. Would a manager play a sixteen year old in a final now? I don't think so, unless he be, unless he was super. We we had a, obviously had an injury, and uh, Willie Waddle put Derek in. But the thing you noticed about Derek when he came just as a boy onto the training ground was his ability in the air. Yeah. Fantastic ability, the great header of the ball. And get and the cross he got in between Jim Gregg and Billy Miller, I think it was, and, mm. and now that it passed Evan Williams. Uh, that was my first final uh, in nineteen seventy, because I'd just been with Rangers for six months and uh, what a great experience it was. Mm. The Celtic were the dominant they were, they were the dominant side at the time because yeah. when I came from Motherwell, Celtic had been champions for five seasons. So I missed five of their nine in a row. So they only had four <laughs> when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they won the first of the nine titles at Motherwell. And I was playing that day. Yeah. And uh, I was just an like 18, 19 year old. And uh, uh, Rangers were sitting. If we'd beaten Celtic that day by two goals or three goals, Rangers would win. That's how close they were. They were to Celtic at that time. And there was nothing in it. But uh, the, the fans were, I don't know how many people was in for that for part of that day. They were up in the enclosure roof. Yeah. And and uh, I think Celtic scored a bit, it was about 5 to 5 they scored. I know it was well over time. But it was an injury time they scored and they beat us 1-0. Um, we always run Celtic close at that mm. time. Um, we never we never seemed to get close to Rangers, but... Uh, Always ran Celtic close to the good game. That was the start of Celtic's nine. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned Derek's ability in the air. I mean, of course, he played centre forward and centre half. That's another thing that you wouldn't get nowadays. That's right, and uh, that was a funny one because when we'd won the treble in '78, uh, Derek had scored 41 goals, and he turns up the next season playing centre half. And I'm thinking, although he had to have, had a few games in him at the '73 uh, season that the centre half, but. Uh, John Gregg took over and moved them back, but uh, after a wee while he moved them back up front again. And as he always told me, I never took the penalties either. Ah, so is the McCoy. McCoy said the penalties. That's <laughs> what. Uh, Derek, Derek was a great finisher, great for great control. That, that was another final day we were in 1970, where as Peter says, Celtic had won the, the European Cup in '67, the league in '68, the league in '69, and perhaps was there a Ever any danger of either of you going into an old firm game with any sense of complacency? Oh, no chance of an old firm game, no. <laughs> if you did, you'd be waking up shortly with Greggy tackling you or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, there was no chance of that. I think point Peter made of Scottish players playing, we knew what it meant not only to ourselves but the fans. Oh. I'm not saying the players nowadays, I think slowly but surely they gather that. But initially, we all know what it means to Celtic Rangers fans. How much a, a result means to them oh. And I've got to say Having been brought up Not necessarily brought up as a youngster But once you get to Peter will say the same When it gets to Rangers And when you get to Celtic You understand the importance Of basically being better than your rival oh. uh, Winning yep. who, who, who drums it into you? Well I think the manager at the time I'm sure There was Willie Waddle and Jock Wallace Would drum that into you Some of the players Somebody like Greggy I'm sure Would have drummed it into Players there as well We were the same There was Jockstein, uh, Sean Fallon, Nilly Mockin. Nilly used to say a thing, you're judging a Celtic player how you play against Rangers. You know, that's that was the kind of mantle, that was how you were judged in that. 
And then your teammates, they, they, they wouldn't let you slack in those games. Oh. You know what I mean? So, and the, 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 you knew what it meant to the fans. I think that was the main thing. You knew what it meant to yourself as well, because there's yeah. nothing, nothing better than one of them. There's nothing worse I've got you bones Than losing that game Yeah If you lose a final Do the fans Let you know about it If it's against Rangers They probably Will be disappointed But I think Because we were doing well Maybe Other tournaments It was a case of I'm not necessarily forgiven They, they didn't want you To lose that game But you moved on To the next trophy Which was probably Predominantly a league Or a European try there was no hiding place at Hamden, Peter. Nowadays, they drive in through uh, an underground pass and they park the, the bus there and they can go in and nobody ever sees them. But in those days, you'd come outside the front door at Hamden and there'd be fans there. That's right. But as David was saying, I, I don't think the fans were sore on you if you lost in an old, old firm final or an old firm gate match because they wanted to be standing there being loyal to the team and they supported you. Uh, maybe in other games, they'll let you know about it, but. Uh, the the big thing too is you know in these days it's it's hundred thousand plus oh. handing matches and then and now you're getting fifty thousand so a total different atmosphere and I find even going to the old firm matches now the fact that I always liked it when there was the opposition had a big support in yeah. I think that's what made the atmosphere in the old firm games and that's a wee bit missing now because there's only a small section maybe a thousand going either way oh. uh, I think that spoiled the atmosphere a bit. Does it spoil it for you, Davy? I've got to say, when it was a 50 50 split, be it Celtic Park, Ibrox, or Hampton, uh-huh. there was, I'm not saying there's a dull moment as it is now, but it's totally different. I think the intensity of the fans was greater in those days. Yeah. I, th- I think the height nowadays is because they play more often nowadays, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they play more in the league and you only played twice in the league. Yeah, but th- when it was that split, I'd say it was more intense atmosphere on match day. That's not to say it doesn't exist now again. But uh, Peter mentioned a point earlier, I've got to say it's correct. Where, the, okay, for 90 minutes, there were your rivals and you would do anything legally. I was in some <laughs> legally, Peter, to make sure we, we did the best. But we played with Scotland with one another. So we got to know one another. Yeah. Got to know some, the great guy like Sandy Jarden, magnificent player, magnificent person and that. So, there was an underlying respect, and I don't know if you look back to a game. Celtic played Rangers at Ibrox. I think they won the league. They do two each that day. Uh-huh. You Celtic and Rangers sort of. That might have been the year you won the Cup Winners Cup, Peter. I'm not sure, but they, they were actually congr- Rangers were congratulating the Celtic players, and they were sort of almost, you know, no, no running off or no kind of no animosity or yeah. whatever. Both wanted to win, so so. That day there was a sign that was total respect because a lot of them played with one another with Scotland, Peter, in those days. That's right. So we yeah, got to know one another a bit better. You played more times for Scotland than I did. We <laughs> were there at the same time. I remember we went to Switzerland. That's right. And you you left George Conley off the flight, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't leave him, George. Left. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, you know, Davey's talking about the, the respect, the mutual respect. I mean, they used to say that John Gregg kept up with Jimmy Johnson and then. Volley them into the crowd, uh, but they they did have a, an immense respect for each other. Oh, I think so. I think so. Me, Jimmy, used to say to me, uh, "Greggy's ball controls get better. He can keep me up for three times now." <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And as David says, I think that a lot of the Scotland squads had a lot of Rangers and Celtic players in them. I think that's uh, the respect was there, and I think the Scottish culture, as you said earlier, 
that Scottish culture you have now is that uh, totally different from what we have now. You were from Girvan, Peter, of course, which is a fair way out. Uh, in the week of an old firm game, we, were you aware of the fans' intensity or did it just hit you as you came up on match day? I would say more on match day, yeah. More as you come up on the match day because when you arrived, when I came from Motherwell, in Motherwell, the big thing, the big thing when I arrived at Ibrox, the biggest thing you noticed was obviously the fans and, and the support and the, not say the adulation that everybody was getting, but I mean there was you couldn't get in the main door. You had to stop and sign Andrew's autographs and oh. totally, totally different, as you say. But now they drive in the bus, they don't see the they don't see them the same now. What was it for, like for you, Dave? Because you were <clears throat> west of Scotland, man. Yeah, and as I said, although. Initially I was a St Month man as a young boy and that But the minute I signed with Celtic when I was about 16 Well, part 15, 16 to train to before I actually signed in that So Peter probably felt the same When you walk in the doors there's a special aura mm. You know, when you walk into Ibrox or Celtic Park there's a special aura So Celtic Park's obviously more special to me as Ibrox is to Peter and that So you knew from early doors it was a privilege to play with Celtic oh. in an and it was great to play with them. And that's what I said earlier, the most important thing Peter says when he moved from Motherwell to, was the volume of fans and their passion. That's not saying Motherwell fans aren't passionate, but the passion with Celtic and Rangers is comparable with any teams in the world, I think. Yeah. You were known as the quiet assassin. I think it was Tommy Doherty that gave you the title when yeah. he was Scotland manager. Did you think that was a bit unfair or...? Accurate Probably a compliment <laughs> <laughs> I don't know He never gave me a gun right enough But uh, <laughs> No I, I think what is I, I try to challenge fairly <laughs> I mean Most of the time Maybe not all the time But it was a bit of give and take You know I'd be up against Greggy sometime You know I've got a few marks from Greggy As oh. maybe he might say He's got from me and that But but what you never got In those days Compared to now Players never laid down As if they were polaxed Yeah There was almost an underlying Sort of From your teammates our big joke is say, don't let them see you're hurt. Uh-huh. No, you might have been hurt, but you don't. You don't get maybe players in those days. You never uh, went to the referee and say, well, wasn't he a cars or just the book that book him that. You just says, well, he's got me. Maybe next time I might get him. So on it was totally there was a totally different approach between the, the two set of teams. On the subject of Hardy boys, uh, coming up to the 1973 Cup final, the winner scored by Tam for Scythe. I think Tam, I. Tam liked a tackle. Yeah, and uh, David's just just the point David was making there. I mean, you didn't want to see any weakness from the anti-tackle. Um, but nowadays, unfortunately, they try to get you sent off. They roll mm. about, and that's the sad thing about the game. The one bit I don't like is the fact that uh, I'm not okay with a lot of skillful foreign players now, but they've brought that element into the game mm. here, where they get down if they've been poleaxed, they get, they kicked in the ankles and they're rolling about holding their face, mm. which is amazing. That game though was uh, in the list of great old firm games. That game would be up there. Uh, Tam's goal wasn't the most distinguished I of finishes. I <laughs> no, he uh, had about three goals with the studs, I think, just, uh, and just to get it over the line. Because Derek, Derek's header had hit the post and went onto the other post, and it was just about on the line, and it was he just scrambled it over the line. And it was a great final, although we won it. It was a very, very even game. It was three two. Uh, I think Kenny O'Gleish was still with him. Kenny scored. Yeah, he yeah. scored. Yeah. George scored with a penalty. George, uh, George with a penalty. It was a great final. It was a good final when you win, but uh, no. there was 122,000 at Hamden that day. How do you make yourself heard above 122,000 people? 
I, I think it's not always about hearing. It's good players make it maybe less necessary to, to give instructions. It yeah. almost becomes automatic. You take up the right position. Someone makes the right pass. Someone covers someone. Uh, there will be some shouts Peter probably for example maybe a corner will say you pick up such and such and things like that but overall there isn't as much shouting as you you may imagine there will be some few uh-huh. but it's more instinctive than verbal verbal calls did you have a favourite game against Rangers everyone you won <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I think you just enjoyed playing in them as I'm sure Peter did as well but no, they were, they were great games at the time, and, and what you tend to forget was just the volume of people were there. It wasn't like, you know, it was 120,000 well, right. that game, and Jesus. Celtic Park and Ibrox would be 80 odd thousand. Well, you remember games. even the night that we beat Bayern Munich, Celtic were playing the semi final. Yeah, that's right, same night. Milan over at Parkhead, so yeah. two Scottish clubs in the semi finals yeah. in Glasgow in the same night. Oh. Uh, would you ever see that again? When you are the goalkeeper, a mistake in an old firm game. Uh, must live with you for a long time. Do, do you have a, a favourite or a least favourite old firm game? Uh, well, David says the ones you lose definitely, but uh, the tending to be way back then. The you can the home team usually had, just maybe had the upper edge in the home matches. There was never much in it. I mean, I've, I've played in a game at Parkhead where I've uh, lost goals where I, I was disappointed. And, yeah, it hurts you for a wee while. That's if I be well in an old firm match because you know how much it means to the fans, and uh, obviously they'll let you know in no uncertain terms. Players did have greater contact with the fans uh, in those days. I mean, uh, today the contact would be minimal, I would suggest, but in those days there were more of them, and there was so a greater when, contact. I, I think so because I mean, if they remember, I mean, all the supporters' clubs had their annual dances and player of the years, and you you had to go with them. It wasn't you. Hmm. No option. You were told you had to go, and the, the fans are paying the money, so it's not hurting you to go along for a night and uh, spend a time with them. I'm going to ask about the changing of the guard at both clubs. I mean, Willie Waddle, <laughs> uh, who ruled with a fist of iron, really, when he gave way to to Jock Wallace, what was the difference there? Well, Jock had been the first team coach, and and he was doing most of the stuff. You think, and Willie Waddle of the old school, he would come in. Into the dressing room and just uh, near kickoff time and do, do his wee bit. Uh, he was very astute when he spoke. I was remembering the semi final against Bayern Munich. He said to me, A minute, can I worry you a minute? This before we were on the pitch. And uh, I said, What is it, Gaffer? He says, I did you the biggest favour in your life bringing you here for your mother. Well, you better repay me tonight and I shut out and I'll look after you. So after we won the cup, I went I said to him, hey boss, what was I say looking after me? When did I say that? <laughs> he said, when did I say that? So he hunted me out of the office. I went back in to see him. And he said, he just told me, close the door on the way out. Uh-oh. But maybe two months later, he come back and said to you, right, there's your rise. And they uh, backdate it. Uh, but he was real with, uh, I thought Jock's team would be the same. He was real with Iron Fist. Jock Wallace was, uh, as everyone knows, uh, a former soldier. And there was a kind of military bearing about him here. I think when he first came to Ibrox, when I when I came from Mother Week, I could see there was a there was a difference. I mean, Celtic seemed more more together than what the Rangers squad was at that time. And when Jock Wallace came in, he started always this training regime, which was really quite punishing. 
And uh, a lot of them A lot of them didn't like it And some were obviously moved on and left And a new kind of group of players Over the next two years of virtually came in And uh, they had a bit of success um, The funny thing was it, The first year they won the treble in 76 The following year they won nothing uh-huh. And then the, thir- the next again year When they won the treble again It changed the uh, training methods uh-huh. And calmed it all down quite a bit and gives a lot more rest off. I'm just thinking now, Peter, if a manager went to a player now before a vitally important European tie and said to him, I've done you the favour of your life bringing you here, you better repay me tonight, they'd be phoning a human rights lawyer. Or, or, or their agent. <laughs> uh, maybe their agent. Uh, but these were the days, and David will tell you this, I mean, if you're looking for a £10 rise, I mean, it was, uh, I'd be telling you were actually it's screwing the club for money, you know, so... Uh, the money was in the game. We enjoyed the time we played. We weren't well, we weren't paid great greatly, but we say we're better played than the working guy, you know. And then oh. we did okay, but uh, nothing like that is now. It's fantastic the boys that the money they can make now they can if they screw their head on they make a a living for their future. Davy, you were part of what was known as the Quality Street Gang. I need to uh, explain that to to younger listeners, but. It was basically the group of players who came after the Lisbon Lions. Uh, what, what was it like to be part of that? No, that was correct. It was, I think it was Roger Bailey that tied us with that title. It was myself, George Connolly, Lou McCarry, Kendall Gleish, Danny McGrain. I've missed anyone else. <clears throat> Apologise. And I think Jock was maybe fortunate. We broke through. No, too long. I broke, I broke through about 69, 70, and then others came the next year or two. So they fortunately had these players to take over from the, the Lisbon Lions. But where we gained as well, maybe the same at Ibrox, when we trained at Celtic Park, we all trained together, the youngsters and the first team. Mm. It's not like now the reserves train on their own, the first team, and then the, the youth teams train separately. But we would train most days, eh, when the, maybe the first team or when we were reserves, at Barfield <coughs> with the Lisbon Lions uh-huh. so they, they were actually probably instrumental with their own downfall in an <laughs> ironic way because we learned so much from them Jordy Conley was part of the Quality Street Gang as well and you were particularly close to George uh, again for younger listeners who can see him now uh, in old footage of Celtic games but he was a special talent well he was uh, Peter didn't play this game in I think 69 when Celtic beat Rangers and he scored that day. Mm. Maybe Nori Martin was in goals, no, I, I think. I never uh, signed to 70, yeah. 70 So yeah. what happened? He passed it out. George Dismissed, <clears throat> John Gregg walked around the keeper, scored a second. Celtic won 4 nothing that day, I think. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, but George, he was outside right that day because he was only about 17, 18 at the time. But then he eventually played beside the centre half, beside Big Billy. Uh-huh. And he was, to make comparisons, he talk about Beckenbauer, he, he was actually exceptionally skillful on the ball for a defender and that he could ping sort of 50-60 yards max to a tee to some of his teammates and that but as Peter mentioned earlier we were together with Scotland once and uh, we were training down at Lars before we went to Switzerland and we turned up at Glasgow airport ready to go and then he changed his mind as Peter rightly says uh, I didn't let him go on the plane no, it was George I was there at the time I tried to talk him out of it and uh, he says I, I can't go I want to go home you know what I mean? Mm. He was a quiet. Peter a shame, probably a shame, he, good player too. He was. Yeah. Peter was probably say he was. He was quite a quiet lad. In other people's company. I don't know yeah. if you can remember no, that on the Scotland trip. Yeah. He was. He was really quiet in that. 
and it was a talent that was lost to Scottish football and to George himself. Yeah. And nobody going. I think also when I left seventy four to Chelsea, we were really close on the park and off the park. Oh. And I don't know. If, I'm not trying to paint myself as some sort of guru or that, but I th- it wasn't long after that that I think he left Celtic. And I think we probably missed one another. Yeah. But George sort of particularly missed me not being there, I think. In today's world, again, uh, George Connolly would have found plenty of people, professional people, to help him through whatever issues he had. But uh, back then, you're pretty much on your own, apart from your well, I think good pals. I, th- I think Big George loved them and tried as best as he can help them. And it's the same way anyone would maybe was classed as an illness and that. Much as you need help, you have to help yourself as well, I think, mm. sometime. But there wasn't the same aspect there is nowadays with people with any issues like that, whatever they want to call them. Uh, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, just how good was he? I think he was exceptional. It was just because he was my best mate and that. He was exceptional. Uh, he'd a great put. Okay, it used to be Billy and John Clark. Then it was Billy and George. Uh, John Clark was more defensive. Man, George could be actually lead. A, you know, set up an attack from oh. the back. You know, I mean, it was an exceptional player and a big loss to the game. Scoreboard, the old firm through the decades.